I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We're noticing a theme tonight. Oh, are we? We've been noticing a theme in some of the questions we've been getting lately. Yes. And we decided that maybe we should, rather than answer one question, we should answer the theme of questions. Well, it's funny because we're like, I feel like we often answer similar questions and we're like, well, maybe this is because this is either very live in the collective consistently, or this is sort of our shtick. Both. <laughs> yes, and. Yeah. Both. That's a both and, as you would say. That, that's a both and. Um, and I guess don't yes. fight the inevitable, right? Okay. Mm. So let me do my best to kind of pull out a couple bullet points and then obviously help me here out of a couple of the questions that we've gotten rather than just read one because number one, they're kind of long, but number two, there's a few of them, right? Okay. So a couple of them that have come through, they've all been from women. Okay. All of them have been married for upwards of 15 to 20 plus years, mm. now separated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in one case, there is obvious infidelity, like it's been discovered, it's part of the separation. And the other one, it doesn't seem like that. Um, but either way, the, the relationships are on the other side of separation, Okay. right? Um, there are children involved in all the questions we've gotten. Most of the kids are older though, uh, 16. There's one that's 11, one that's 19. So range of ages, but nothing that I've seen that's like little, little kids. We've been together Mm -hmm. for 20 something years at this point. I'm assuming our kids are older. Um, but the biggest thematic I think in some of these questions is I'm in this space. I don't want to be in this space anymore. What do I do to move forward? Um, and literally they've asked any suggestions, any advice, any clarity would be appreciated. Like these are all the terms that they're asking. And so, um, what am I missing? Anything? 
Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about like uh, reading a portion of one of them, but I guess you gave a pretty good synopsis. So maybe we don't need to. Um, where do I start? What can I do? Right. I want to move forward. Like these are some of the uh, snippets of language. I suppose that might be helpful to hear. Yeah. I think that what's coming into my head is that thing of like, ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Like you, there's no, Ooh, wait, say that again. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. I think those are lyrics to an eighties rap song. Um, I don't well, know. I don't know what song it is, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- those who know that song are like laughing at me right now, but in all seriousness, I think that what we're talking about is certainly that, that really uncomfortable muck of what we would talk about in the context of a liminal space where I'm not the thing that I'm becoming. I'm not where I'm going, but I know that I can't stay where I've been anymore. Um, and so it's a, it's a threshold of initiation. I am crossing the bridge into another phase of self, into another phase of my life. And it is terrifying because I know that I need to take a step, but I don't see the step yet. I don't know Mm. what this is going to look like. I don't know who I'm going to be in this next phase of my becoming. And this is where all of the work that I think we constantly are talking about and the tools that we um, talk about like acquiring, I think there is nothing that makes that any less scary. It becomes the space of, I just have to take that step and trust that the path will appear. And that is terrifying and deeply Mm -hmm. destabilizing to the psyche because I have no idea, you know? Yeah. The other thing that's coming up for me, I just did a, um, a coaching question. Um, I do these like coaching on demand, right. Where somebody can Mm -hmm. like send in an audio question and I'll respond via audio. And Mm -hmm. I just was doing one this morning and it was around the fear of a parent's death. And while Mm -hmm. not connected necessarily to this topic, it does feel connected in that, my one of my responses to the way that I was talking about it in this message was the suffering that this situation is going to cause. Number one, there's already suffering, right? And the suffering that this situation is going to cause is 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 inevitable. Mm-hmm. So there is no way around the suffering that will come from the loss of a loved one the loss of potentially the loss of a marriage, at least these relationships that we're referring to. And sometimes by avoiding the thing, right? Doing the thing, you're actually just prolonging the suffering itself. So by not working on wrapping your mind around and sitting with, this is the inevitable suffering that's about to come. I believe that we actually do ourselves such a disservice. And I'm not saying there's not a reason for it. Obviously there's fear and there's all of these things, but that act of avoidance prolongs the suffering for us. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I do think in this context, it becomes important to hold what is a little bit different about the grief that comes from like loss of someone in their physical body versus the grief of an end of relationship. And I only say that because I believe quite often the story we tell ourselves about the quote suffering in that context is often much larger than, or we will believe it will be much larger than it actually is. Um, you mean in meaning the it becomes, 
component? In the relational space, yeah. right? Because so much of what we have been programmed to believe is this failure is mm-hmm. going to be devastating. This thing of being alone is going to be unbearable. Um, and I think that one, all of that is arguable. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there's not grief. Certainly there is. But I do think there's more of a, well, I'll speak from a personal perspective, I think the way that I framed the end of my marriage in my mind really helped me to not experience what could have conceivably been suffering. And a lot of it was because we had lost someone literally two months before my marriage ended in his physical body. i had experienced a death that was like earth shattering to me. Yeah. Like I was so devastated to lose this person. Yeah. And I think framing it in my air- marriage ending in the um, context of like, well, he's not dying. Mm-hmm. We're still in each other's lives. You know, mm-hmm. yes, our relationship is changing form, but maybe we have an opportunity to love one another better as friends. Maybe we have an opportunity to, um, to see like how this is meant to evolve as it changes form for both of us. And I think that, I think there's something about like death of the physical body. If we can be really, really present with that. I like to talk to clients a lot about actually meditating on death on a daily Mm -hmm. basis Mm -hmm. that can bring a different reverence for all of the challenges of life. One in a way that we don't take things for granted to the context and to the extent that we might otherwise, but also, um, that we just don't feel entitled to things in life in the way that we might, if we sort of say, none of this is promised to us. I think, you know, our friend dying really gave me like a visceral sense of like everything that I complain about, everything that I feel like I'm entitled to, why am I more entitled to those things than he was? I'm not. And so I'm not entitled to having the certainty of my marriage, you know, um, life has decided that chapter is closed. And so I can be in resistance and really make myself suffer. Right. Or I can say, this is the hand I'm dealt, you know? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I, I want to clarify that I wasn't in any way comparing the pains or the sufferings. I think it was just yeah. the idea of like you were saying, it's like, if I pretend that the suffering's not happening, it's like, I can either embrace it and move into it, which then moves through it at some point, or I can brace against it and just continue to stay in the path of it. Right. Um, and it sounds like in, in all the variations of this question that we've gotten, the person, the woman that's writing mm. in is very, very aware that the relationship mm. is no longer, right? Um, mm-hmm. But what they're struggling with is like, now what? And I think the first now what would be what you and I are talking about, which is to really sit with, acknowledge, embrace, and allow yourself to truly feel the suffering of the reality that the way that it has looked, your relationship has looked up until this point is no longer. Mm-hmm. And we've got to allow that reality to be present before we actually can take that next step. Yeah. I think that there is, you know, a surrender and a moving into the space of acceptance that I'm hearing in both of the um the specific questions that you read, like I am resistant to mm-hmm. being in the space of surrendering to what we are both clear already is. And to me, that is where suffering comes in. And so I know that sometimes it can feel a little bit cold when I say that. And what I, I don't mean it that way, but what I mean is I think it's important for us to like, this is where we challenge 
in the space of inquiry, Mm -hmm. the way I'm holding this, because a Mm -hmm. lot of times the suffering comes from the story I'm telling myself about what quote should be happening Mm -hmm. that isn't what my life should be, that it is no longer going to be. And I think that's a very linear way of looking at life, a very, um, like the structure is set in stone that what has been is what will always be. And a more feminine principle of life is that life is always in the space of evolving and changing and growing and expanding. And if we hold that, these type of changes with that lens, it becomes, if this is a life school, this next chapter of my life is calling me to learn some new lessons, right? Mm -hmm. And one of them may be how to sit in the discomfort of being by myself right now. Mm -hmm. Big breath, right? Yeah. And also the two specifically that I read, another component to this is that in their own language, both women express that they were not happy before whatever catalyst, right? So like in one catalyst, it was infidelity. In one catalyst, it sounds like just the disillusion but um, or the dissolving, whatever word you want to use. But both of them said that they were not happy in their relationship for years leading up to. So Oof. there's something in that too, right? Like, I don't know. There's a few different things that come up for me around that. So there's the component of oh, what is the word? I'm trying to think of like the emotion that comes up. It's almost like <laughs> you Murder? beat me to it. Well, no. yeah, but I guess the, the first one, there's yeah. that too. The first one that's coming up for me is around like, we like to be the one to do the leaving. And hmm. so like the fact that you did the leaving, like, how dare you? I was unhappy and I wasn't the one that that acted first. And so there's almost like a little bit of feeling slighted or like, um, like one up ego, ego for sure. Ego, uh, which I just think is interesting, right? Because both people are saying, by the way, I wasn't happy beforehand, but I'm still struggling with moving forward. And I just think that's interesting. Like how much of this is ego around, um, and this might sound maybe a little callous, but like that you, for whatever myriad of reasons, didn't have the courage to do the thing that your partner actually did have the courage to do. And again, I don't, that sounds mean. I know courage does sound a little, a little harsh, but for whatever reason, right? There's a lot of reasons why we don't, for the children, um, for the security, for the established relationship dynamic we already have, for the families, like whatever those reasons are, I'm not minimizing them, but there is a little ego in, that this person took that away. Like this person acted before I could act. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'll be real. That did not occur to me at all. But I think that there's a little bit of like, like sometimes there's a more competitive energetic that people have in relationships. I witness this a lot in couples um, that I don't feel as much of that. Like my ex definitely probably felt a little bit more of that competitive energy. And I think there is something though in... Well, a couple things about like, I was unhappy for a very long time. I saw this meme and I was telling you about it the other day that said, isn't it funny that you like, think of a time where you've ever heard of um, a woman having an extra family or another family and that never happens. Right. And in one of those examples, you gave me this, the man in the situation was like with a friend and like keeps coming back and forth to her and the other family. And I think there's just a way that to me, what I'm struck by is just the deep normalization of a lack of happiness for women or a lack mm-hmm. of contentment in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that like that, that to me is what I'm so struck by when I hear both examples. It's like we have so normalized women who like their baseline is just like, this is life. It's just, I, 
don't love my life. Yep. Um, and, and how dare this man <laughs> reach in and say, I'm pulling the plug on this because I'm not happy. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it is like, I believe this is like the call of our times, of our generation, of us as women to put down. And when I said martyr, this false narrative that it is serving our children Oof. for us to stay in dynamics where we are miserable and tell them this is in service of you. Like, thanks. I didn't ask you to be unhappy to be and do it for me. Yeah. And P.S., that is an unbelievably unfair burden that we are continuously putting on our children. They feel like, um, one, <laughs> they're getting all of this messaging about like what it is to be in relationships. And we're just like normalizing a like baseline of discontent. But also if the reason you've been here is to parent me and he's off there doing whatever he's been doing with other people, enjoying his life. What am I sort of equating that to mean about me and what I have yeah. robbed you of, you know? Yeah. And that it's my fault, right? Like it's my fault that you're unhappy. I am the burden. If I wasn't here, you'd be happier. That's where so many of these like messages come from that we then as therapists are sitting across from people attempting to kind of unpack and, and rewrite. Yeah. The mother wound is the patriarchal lineage of what happens to the children of women when those women stop fully living, stop embodying their feminine essence and radiance and life force and play and joy and all of those healthy qualities. What we pass down to our children is the belief life is suffering. <laughs> it literally is. That's what they're inheriting. <sighs> well, if we were to tell somebody, you know, somebody says like, oh, what's some advice or what's some, you know, direction, any advice would be give, you know, would be welcome. And we're sitting here saying you are in the liminal space. The in-between is the most painful. It's the most uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And think about the different ways that we've given you to reframe this situation, right? So through the lens of what is it that you're really doing or giving to your children through the lens of, um, embracing and recognizing the suffering and stopping avoiding it, but more like taking it on. You know, the one of the other, I guess, I don't know if it's techniques or what I want to call it that I talk about with clients a lot of times is like, we have this desire, first of all, as human beings, we hate the unknown, which I just find hilariously ironic that the universe then created us to be in a constant state of unknown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, you cannot be on like, if we're talking A through Z, you can't be on C and expect to be able to see what Z is or what X is, right? If you're standing on C, all you can look to do is look to D and that's it. Stop trying to even see F or G, like just look and see if you can figure out what D is. And D might just be calling a friend and going to have coffee. Like that might be what D is. I am in this space of suffering. Maybe I'm keeping it to myself. Maybe I'm not, um, you know, processing it with people. Okay. D is going to be, I'm going to call a friend and I'm going to call a therapist. And that's what D is. And so that is your next step. Like that's what you do tomorrow, right? Um, but you don't need to have your entire life, what it's going to look like for you a year from now, completely planned out before you do D. And I think sometimes that keeps us stuck because mm -hmm. it's like we want it to be perfect or look a certain way. And so it's like that almost like paralysis by analysis in a way. There's so many things that I need to do in order to move forward that I, I just pull back and get overwhelmed and don't do any of them. And my suggestion is forget all of that. What is the next step? 
in, in support of yourself, what is the next step? Yeah. And wholeheartedly I'm in agreement with all those tools. And I also want to offer the remembrance of bringing the focus inward and learning Mm -hmm. to stay in your skin because, you know, a society that puts so much focus on the external will continue to say, and it's not that we don't need people because we do. And I like hear it before people say it. And we are a society that like, you know, in the context of like 12 steps, they talk about like spiritual bankruptcy. I feel that on such a like collective level Mm -hmm. in terms of like our ability to have a relationship with our inner world, which to me is like our spiritual life. That's just like what we've gotten away from societally. It's like, we don't know how to ride the waves of discomfort. And until we learn to do that, we don't understand that those waves pass. They don't mm-hmm. stay. And I'm Not telling you, the greatest gift of my life has been the visceral learning that there is no feeling that will kill me. And mm-hmm. I remember moments of my life where I thought this this fear will kill me. And when you get to the other side of it and you're still there, and it was actually you that did it, nothing outside of you, yep. but yep. you rode that wave. You, there is a pride and a sense of self and an ability to live from the core of who you are that never, like, you can't unlearn that. You can't unsee that. And, and I no just one can think, take that away. <laughs> that's right. And until we, as a society, learn more, like, to be in that space of the sacred solitude of, like, the first place I go, not even like maybe when I'm at my wit's end, whatever, whenever you get there, when you're ready, but that ultimately at some point it's between you and the higher you. And that to me is source. That to me is whatever you choose to call um, something greater than yourself that also lives within you. That is ultimately the fundamental relationship that I feel like we need to prioritize having a relationship with in a way that we have just lost track of from my perspective. Mm. Amen. And that's about our fear of death, right? Like that is like, that circles back to the annihilation. And like, until we have that, I do think we continue to like defend against the fear of death, defend Mm -hmm. against, and that's what that thing of um, the unknown, right? Like death is the ultimate unknown. What happens when I leave this body? It's terrifying. Um, and I think we have to get into some sort of a relationship with what we believe to be true about what that is, or we will always cling to things that are ever shifting, ever changing. We can't control and try to control them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's why that conversation I had this morning came up in relationship to this, because it does feel connected. You know, these fears are not in silos. These fears are actually all connected and when you're doing the work of self and you're doing the work of who I am in relationships, you know, what is my next step? I'm in this liminal space. How do I move forward? Like, just know that you're also doing the work on that larger component to self. Like who is your higher, what is the highest self look like? You know, what does that highest self believe in? What is that highest self? Um, how do they show up in this world? How do they, mm-hmm. how do they show up in regards to somebody who potentially quote unquote betrayed you? You know, like, what does that highest self look like? Who do you want to be? Because all of these opportunities too in relationships give us an opportunity to um, challenge that, explore that, and decide on what that highest self is. Yeah. 
Mm. We're like a society that doesn't have initiations anymore, as we would talk about from a depth psychology perspective. And like the initiation used to be how you go into the fire and are alchemized and come out on the other side side changed. But something we talk a lot about in the groups we run is that there are some fires that no one can go through with you. There are some ways that you have to be in relationship with yourself in a way that builds a sense of self-confidence that, as you said, can never be taken away from you. Um, But I do think that is like a huge portion of the individuation process that we have just decided we're going to bypass and distract our way through. And, you know, like there, I just did this um, workshop for a week at this place called, called Modern Elder Academy. And we were talking about a lot of these concepts around individuation and like how people so more frequently than, um, you know, past generations get to like their sixties and seventies and they've never had this process of individuation, Mm. mostly because we're a generation that hasn't been uncomfortable enough, right? Like we didn't have a great depression. We haven't had the wars that like so many of these other generations went through that were their individuation that were their like, we've lost everything. And, you know, like, but I'm still here. Like we just have been, you know, in a lot of ways, comfortable enough that we haven't like that any suffering feels like unbearable, right? It's like, and this is not me minimizing the suffering of a relationship ending at all, but I'm saying a lot of times, and John speaks to this, like a divorce does become the initiation in modern day society because we haven't had any sort of initiatory process before that. And this is the thing where you're in the fire. Are you going to distract from the fire? Are you going to jump into a new relationship? Are you going to use everything outside of yourself to self-soothe? Or are you going to stay with yourself and teach yourself, I got you. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. All right, y'all. I feel like we, I feel like we've given lots of tools on this one. We could go on and on, but I I feel like this concept of like, what do I do to move forward? Yeah, we've, we could go, we could go on and on. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.